0: following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. As I have said a couple of times today, it is the first Sunday in Advent. Advent is a word that simply means arrival or coming. And in this season of the year, uh, we anticipate the coming of Jesus as we get closer to the day of Christmas when, of course, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. We want to prepare our hearts for that uh, scriptural reality a historical event. Um, but we also believe, as the creed said earlier, that Jesus will come again. And so Advent is also traditionally a season during which we anticipate the second coming of Jesus. And so we have these two tensions, one which is actually pushing us into the past and one which is pushing us into the future, and both of which are uh, a sense of waiting and anticipation of longing for something to change and be different and better of looking for Jesus. And that is the, the watchword that I'll use during this series. That's the phrase that will shape what we're going to talk about. Advent is a season of looking for Jesus. And why do we look for Jesus? What is it that we're hoping for? Well, nothing less than the repair of the whole world. It's renewal into what God intended creation to be before it was corrupted by our sin. Now, in the book of John, Jesus makes a statement. it's, It's sort of an ominous sounding warning. And He makes this warning three different times. He says, I am with you only for a short time. And then I am going to the One who sent Me. You will look for Me, but you will not find Me. Where I'm going, you cannot come. You will look for me, but you will not find me. That's uh, the in some ways Jesus' prophetic kind of predictive statement about what the world will be like after he leaves his bodily, earthly ministry. We'll look for him and won't be able to find him. And sometimes don't we look around the world as people who desperately cling to faith in Jesus and we wonder if He's there. I don't have to recite for you everything that we see in the news every day around the world, in our own neighborhoods, in our own houses sometimes. We look for Jesus and we do not find Him. We wonder. We wonder. The Apostle Paul says that all creation is groaning as in the pains of childbirth. And all the women in his life were saying, yeah, like you know. (laughs) But even the world itself is just longing for this to be over in some ways. Longing for this to be finished. Longing for the beauty and the joy that's on the other side of whatever it is we're going through. So we look for Jesus in this season because only in Jesus will we find peace in our own hearts and only in Jesus will we find peace in our world. And we will be looking for Jesus in three ways. One way each of the next three weeks. Today we're going to be looking for Jesus in prayer. Next week we will look for Jesus in discernment. And the third week of this series, of the third week of Advent, we'll be looking for Jesus in the act of our own Confession. One week on each of these themes. And then the fourth week of Advent will be a very special week uh, because it's an immersed service. Artisan has this uh, signature worship gathering. They called it an immersed uh, gathering, which we've done for our whole life together. Most recently, I think we did this last year around this time. And immersed is um, a nonlinear, self-directed, station-based, multi-sensory Um, experiential type of worship. So instead of coming in and sitting in rows and singing songs and listening to a speech, uh, you will come in and the room will be all set differently and um, there'll be different stations set up around the themes that we've discussed during Advent and you will be able to uh, engage in these sort of artistic right brain kind of things. Um, And that day you can come anytime between 9 and 11 and take your time going through the, the station's it's again nonlinear, It's self-directed, and um, the, if you haven't been to one of our immersed services before, please don't miss that week if you can possibly help it. It's going to be a beautiful uh, experience. And then we have uh, Christmas Eve, right? Christmas Eve is on a Saturday this year. We have a service at four p.m. right here in this room. It'll be full full band like we did last year. Uh, for the first time ever, we've we've been very low-key with Christmas Eve in the past, but we're gonna. Um, be what's uh, what's the opposite of low-key. We're going to be very energetic, and um, we're going to rock and roll for Christmas a little bit. Uh, and then, because Christmas Eve is on a Saturday, what do we know about Christmas Day? It's on a Sunday. That guy knows his calendars. Um, <laughs> I am a humanities person, man. I don't want that much math. But uh, So yeah, Christmas Day is on a Sunday, and so we won't have any regular Christmas m- Christmas day service on Sunday. There'll be no Sunday morning service here on Christmas day. Unless one of you is going, what? Are you serious? No church on Sunday, even though it's Christmas? And in that, if that is you, I am so grateful for your passion and your energy, and I would be happy to tell you what the code is to open the building. (laughs) Seriously, no fooling, if there is a groundswell of interest in a Sunday morning service, service on christmas day that does not involve me uh i am more power to you i am not kidding i will tell you the code to open the building and we'll we'll get you hooked up okay we'll connect the people who are passionate about that all you have to do is send me an angry email at scott at artisanchurch.com and say why are you so dumb we should have church on sunday and if you do that i will help you to try to have church on sunday (laughs) i'm going to be eating bacon (laughs) Okay, fair enough. All right, man, we're never going to get out of here today, aren't we? <laughs> so uh, we start today with this Advent theme, looking for Jesus in prayer. Now, I bet if we went out on the streets of Rochester and did that hokey J. Leno thing, the word on the street thing, and asked people, what, what do you think prayer is? The answers would be mostly something like, uh, prayer is asking God for help. Would you agree that's what most people would define prayer as? Uh, so you pray for someone who's sick. You pray for someone who's off to college or someone who's serving in the military. You pray for safe travels when you have to go far away. You pray for a new baby. You pray for money to pay the rent. Uh, Now, that is prayer. That's a valid and very common form of prayer. In fact, we do that sort of prayer uh, twice a month when we do our congregational prayer. We do that kind of prayer on the regular. The technical term for it, by the way, is supplication. You know, we do that that hymn based on Psalm 130 that says, uh, Lord, turn a gracious ear to me and hear my supplication. That's what that word means. But what I want to say to you today is that that type of prayer, which is the one that has kind of been programmed into most of us, is only one of many types of prayer. Um, Growing up, that was the only tool I had in my prayer toolbox else feel this way? So you pray and ask God for this or that or the other thing. And it either happens or it doesn't. And that helps, that sort of determines what you think of God or what you think God thinks of you. Right? And then you, you read the verse in the Bible that says, pray without ceasing. And you're like, oh, man. I'm in sixth grade. How many times can I pray that Rachel Howe will go out with me? Because <laughs> it's the only thing I need in the world right now. All <laughs> right. That's an actual person, by the way. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But here's the thing. If that's the only type of prayer that you ever pray, then all God will ever be for you is a problem solver. And the degree to which your problems are solved will be the degree to which you believe in that God. And I have bad news for you, which is that Many times we pray for things and those problems don't get solved, at least not in the way that we want them to. So limiting your understanding of prayer to that is, in my opinion, an express train ticket to crippling doubt and potentially a complete loss of faith. Do you see how our understanding of prayer can affect our understanding of who God is? Our understanding of prayer... Our understanding of who God is. So, one of my purposes in this message is to try to help us broaden our understanding of prayer so that we can broaden our understanding of God. And of course, that will help us along the way in our Advent purpose of looking for Jesus. Since Jesus is, after all, in very nature God, as the scriptures tell us, is, is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. So when we look for Jesus, we are looking for God. And if we find Jesus, we have found God. So I'll share with you um, a few types of uh, prayer that may be different for some of you it won't be different won't be new for all of you but for some of you it will be and i hope that um, that what you'll do is try some of these types of prayer during the season of advent as you're looking for jesus and i hope that these different methods of prayer will help you notice jesus so have you ever been in a conversation with someone who who talks the whole time Uh, Just a word of warning, if you've never been in a conversation with a person who talks the whole time, you might want to revisit how much you talk in conversations. I was in a conversation yesterday where I was talking too much, too much of the time. I am guilty of that myself. But if you meet someone new and you're, you're trying to understand them, trying to figure out what makes them tick, trying to, to uh, see what they're up to, would it be better, rhetorical question, to talk a lot or to listen a lot? Right? It would be better to listen. Of course it would. If you want to learn what somebody is about, you need to listen to that person. And the same is true for prayer. If you want to understand what, what God is about, who God is you should spend some time listening. But listening prayer is in many ways the most difficult prayer technique of all to learn. I have found this to be true anyway. If you've ever tried it, I'm sure you've had some of the same struggles that I've had, um, which is that uh, one of the most disturbing things in the world is being left alone with your own thoughts. Right? And sometimes when we talk, Constantly to another person or to God, it's really a way to avoid experiencing that that frightening silence, that void that that threatens to overtake us if we spend too much time near it. And so, if you've never done listening prayer before, uh, what not to do is to say, "I'm going to do listening prayer for." An hour today, (laughs) right? That's a bad way to start, That's like saying you've never run before and you're going to run a a 10K. It's going to be a bad experience. It's going to make you hate running and you are never going to go back to do it, The same is true for prayer, especially with something difficult like listening prayer. So here's what I want you to try this week. If you've never done listening prayer before, it's very simple. I I want you to sit still and be quiet for one minute. Hey Siri, set a timer for one minute. Sorry, everybody who's listening on the podcast. <laughs> I just set a timer for you. Um, <coughs> this is actually what I do in the morning. when, I, If I'm going to do listening prayer, I, I set a timer for a, a period of minutes. I've progressed a little bit past one minute myself, but not that much past. One minute of silence, if you've never had it before, is a long time, and it will stretch you, and your mind will wander to all sorts of different things that you have to do that day or that you wish you'd done yesterday or that you wish you'd said to that person two months ago or in second grade. <laughs> right? Try one minute at a time. Um, it can be helpful, since th- that complete void is very intimidating, it can be helpful to have a simple image to focus on or a single word right, um, to focus on. And you, what, what does God want to say to me in this minute of silence as I look at this, this rock? Okay? Something as simple as a little stone can, can be very helpful for this. Uh, one thing that we do a lot in our meditative prayers, uh, Autumn and others are really good at leading us in focusing on our breathing. Right? That's why when I lead us in our moment of artisan silence at the beginning of a service, I usually take three breaths in and out. And for some of us it feels like an eternity, doesn't it? Three breaths in and out. But if your mind is prone to wandering and you don't want you're having a really hard time even with 1 minute just focus on breathing in breathing out remember that breathing is the first and last thing any of us ever does in our life and we never stop in between and the gift of god is in that oxygen that we take into our bodies which affects all of the systems inside and if you just focus on your breathing as you listen for what god might have to say to you that can help. Now, I, wanna, I want you to give yourself permission to fail at this. Not just with your mind wandering, but for the thing to just completely be terrible and you have an awful experience and you wonder why I ever asked you to do it. If that happens to you, it's okay. That happens to all of us sometimes, even those of us who are, are all the way up to five minutes already. <laughs> sometimes it's a complete disaster and you just feel like it was a waste of how many minutes or seconds you managed. It's okay Give yourself permission to fail, um, and incidentally, when you are closing your own mouth or your your mind's <laughs> um, nonstop monologue, you may hear things that you don't like, you may wonder, is this actually from God or not and 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 the challenge that you are experiencing in that moment requires what's called discernment, and we'll talk a little bit about discernment next week, so. Um, don't fret if that's a problem for you too. I won't have all the answers next week, but we can talk a little bit about it and and maybe be somewhat helpful. So, listening prayer is the first thing I want you to try. If you've never tried it this week, please try it for one minute, one day. Can you do that? Here's another thing that you can do, uh, another way to pray that you may not have tried, is to pray using the scriptures. This is actually probably the most common form of prayer that the Christian church practices and yet, for the most part, in our little section of the church world, it's entirely absent. We don't pray using the scriptures very much at all. But when you use the scriptures to guide your prayer, here's what happens. Uh, the, the, the words of inspired holy text become the words on your tongue. These words, um, even if you don't believe that about the Bible, they are tried and true. They're old, <laughs> They've worked for lots of lots, lots and lots of people for lots and lots of centuries, and so even if you're not like oh, the inspiration of the Bible, I'm not quite there yet. It's just a, it's just a book, whatever. That you know, some of you are in that place, and that's okay. I'm glad you're here. You can still benefit from the Bible, in my opinion, uh, and you can still uh, receive what it has, which is this ancient, tested vocabulary for prayer. Um, and because the Bible is not a single book, but is rather a whole library of books written at different times by different types of people for different reasons, there's, there's a whole range of, uh, I hesitate to use this word because it sounds very transactional, but of, of benefits that you can get from praying the scriptures, right? You can pray this type of scripture and receive one type of thing. You can pray that type of scripture and receive an entirely different type of thing. If you make the words of scripture your prayer, there's a... Um, a wide spectrum of of, uh, work that God can do in your heart. So the simplest and most obvious way and by far the most common way to pray the Scriptures is to use the book of the Psalms. The Psalms are the song book of uh, the Jewish people. They are the prayer book in some ways of the Jewish people as well. And they are our prayer book too, although once again we've neglected it. In the Psalms you find... Praise and adoration of God. So if you're in a place where your heart is not exactly singing out to God because of what might be happening in your own life, there are words there that will give you that vocabulary. Oh Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Some days I would not come up with that on my own. If you are in a place of lament and mourning and you literally have no words to express your grief, the Psalms can help you with that. I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. That sounds like a cure song. (laughs) By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, and there we wept when we remembered Zion. That's Psalm 137. That's the one that ends with an entirely different emotion. If you're an angry person... And you feel like you, you are not allowed to voice that anger. Understand that the psalmist once wrote this verse. Happy shall they be who take your little ones and dash them against the rock. Now I do not encourage that you. Um, uh, <clears throat> I'm not encouraging you to, to nurture the part of your soul that wants to say that. I am encouraging you to admit that that part of your soul exists. And I'm hopefully in, you are receiving encouragement knowing that that part of the human soul not only exists, but somehow got codified into Holy Scripture. So, whatever anger you might have, that verse probably holds it all and then some. We'll be talking about confession in the third week. You can confess using the Psalms. For I know my transgressions, my sin is ever before me. Against you, you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Once again, I would not come up with that on my own most days, even though (coughs) I probably should. The Psalms are beautiful, and they're a beautiful source for our prayers because they are honest and they're formative without having to be doctrinally precise, right? <clears throat> so it's not necessarily that everything you read in the Psalms is what God wants you to, to think or believe or act like. It's that there's an honesty, a raw honesty in those texts that sometimes we are not even comfortable letting out of our own hearts or mouths. Right? Now, there's other ways to pray the Scriptures. In addition to the Psalms, you could you could do Lectio Divina, which we've led here at Artisan. We do that once or twice a year. If you don't know what that is, you could do a Google search and find a a pretty basic overview of how to do that. But basically, it turns a scripture passage into um, a study slash prayer, all in one thing. It's a wonderful thing to try if you haven't done it. You could try Ignatian prayer, which um, in very brief form is simply uh, imagining yourself present in the the narrative. Imagine yourself standing next to the disciples as they listen to Jesus teach, or as they Uh, see the woman caught in adultery dragged up before them Um, or imagine yourself uh, on the uh, mountain as the floodwaters rise (laughs) and the ark is sailing away that kind of thing that's sort of an Ignatian type of prayer using your imagination which some of us have been told is not what you should do because faith is uh, of course an intellectual exercise and it's all about um, making an ascent to a list of doctrines that's what saves us after all right I'm being very facetious now if you can't tell but we're sometimes told, no, set your, check your imagination at the door. That's for playtime. This is serious time with God. Um, turn off your right brain and turn on your left brain, right? So Ignatian prayer kind of allows you to go back into that, that experience of imagination and even play in the text. So uh, listening prayer and praying the scriptures, whether it's the Psalms or Lectio Divina or Ignatian prayer. Here's another one. You can sing. Some of you are saying, no, I can't. (laughs) That's okay. If you can't sing, you can still sing. You just make sure the door's closed first. We did that Be Still and No chant earlier, right? Uh, Like I said, even if you can just carry that one note, even if you can just kind of get maybe close to it, you were part of that experience. That was a prayer. It was beautiful. And you were part of it you can do that same thing on your own. Um, I use a prayer book sometimes uh, called The Divine Hours that uses, it incorporates a lot of this stuff together. It uses the scriptures, primarily the Psalms, as a form of prayer. And it has it laid out in a way that if you wanted to sing the verses, you could. There's a little asterisk halfway through each line. And you're supposed to sing on the note and then go up at the asterisk and then sing on the second half of the line and go down at the end. That's a form of sung, chanted prayer that, um, again, you don't have to be, um, who's the singer The kids like these days? You know, right? You have daughters. Taylor Swift? You don't have to be Taylor Swift. You can just sing. You don't have to be Anna. Anna's got a beautiful voice, better than Taylor Swift, if you ask me. You don't have to have that level of ability to, to engage your, your voice in a song. And does, do you, do you ever have this experience where if you sing something, is different in your brain. One, one of our neurology people, maybe Colleen can explain this to me afterward, um, because she's probably sat next to somebody who's um, having an MRI done while they sing. I don't know if that's even a thing, but um, a brain scan, I don't know. Uh, I'm a humanities person. I didn't even know what comes after Saturday, right? But something changes in our brains and our hearts when we sing a word instead of saying a word. Have you not had that experience, right? Have you ever been to a concert? <laughs> yeah. What if you leveraged that reality in your life of prayer? Am I, try- am I making you feel uncomfortable now? Are you saying, I will do one minute of silence, but there's no way <laughs> I'm singing my prayer this week? It's okay. Just try it next time. Right. You know, when we, when we sing our songs together in our congregation, whether it's the chant or whether it's just uh, All Who Are Thirsty or whatever one of the songs are that we sing together, that's um, That's prayer. We don't say, now let's pray. We say, now let's sing. But those are prayers. This is, a, this is moving a part of your soul that doesn't get shifted around most of the time during the week. So, when you pray, listen. Pray the scriptures. Pray in song. But you're going to do all of this in expectation of Jesus. Right? We are looking for Jesus in prayer. That's the goal of this week in Advent. And I want, to, I want to encourage you, think of it like noticing Jesus. Do you see the difference in those two verbs? If you're looking for Jesus, you're probably going to, when you find him, if you do, um, grasp onto him and, and hold him for yourself. But if you're just trying to notice Jesus, you may see Jesus is already over there engaged with that person in a different way. You might notice Jesus at work in your world. I know you're not going to believe this in a place or with a person that has nothing to do with you and your needs. And when that happens, you can say, wow, God is at work in my world already. What if I looked to join God in the work that God is already doing? If you try to notice Jesus, it's a little bit more subtle, maybe a little bit more distant. And that's okay, uh, because as you uh, notice Jesus, you'll... Try to come near to Him. See, here's the thing. Uh, our prayers do not make God any more aware of us than God already is. But they do make us more aware of God. Praying in any of these ways is not going to make Jesus love you any more than Jesus already loves you. <laughs> he already does. But it might make you love Jesus a little bit more than you do, or in a different way, or at a deeper level. Our prayers don't make God more aware of us, but they do make us more aware of God, and there is nothing more adventy than becoming aware of God. <laughs> Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Do you want to know God? God has made known to you through Jesus, His Son. Jesus is very near, close to be found, especially in this season. Will you stop and notice? Will you pray? And how will you respond when you do notice Jesus in your world? Let's close with this prayer. Through him who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, if you want to experience Jesus, know that he is very near and present to us in the Sacrament of Holy Communion. Uh, at Artisan, we have an open table, which means anybody seeking to follow Jesus in this place on this day is welcome to come and receive his body and blood here. We do it by the fancy word is intinction, which means you take a piece of the bread and you dip it in the cup and you take it and eat it. There's wine and there's juice. Please use the one that would be more appropriate for you and for your family. And uh, parents, it's time to get your kids now. And if you want to have them take communion with you, you can. Or you can do it yourself and then go get them right after that. Either way is fine. Um, If you prefer not to take communion with us today, that's entirely fine as well. There will be a member of the prayer team here who would be happy to pray with you in person if you'd like that. Or you can sit and observe and that would be entirely acceptable as well. Uh, As I always say, I ask you to respond to the Spirit of God, however God may be speaking to you right now. Let's continue to worship God at the table, in prayer, and in a final song or two. Amen.